And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield State evening the series yesterday with Tulane with a 9-5 to walk-off win with a grand slam after Tulane won Friday night 7-3. to And, of course, the premise of this show when we started doing this back in football season is we have no bumper music. We don't really have a script. We just show up and with a cup of coffee. Shane and the gang down at the Strange Brew was open this morning. Stopped by and picked up me a cup. And anyway, so Charlie, let's talk about this weekend. And first and foremost, we're brought to you on Sunday mornings by Cannon Ford of Startville. Cannon Ford, if you're in the market for a new or used car, go by and check them out on Highway 182 just east of town. They're getting shipments of new cars in just about every day. But here's the thing. When they come in, they're selling right away. And so if you go by, if they don't have what you're looking for, they can order it. They can look at their other dealerships around the state of Mississippi, and they can try to find exactly what you're looking for. If you have a deer hit the side of your truck and you need work in a body shop, go by and see them, or just an oil change in the service center. That's at Cannon Ford of Startville. Well, Charlie, yesterday was pretty fun in that ninth inning, wasn't it? Yeah, emphasized ninth inning, right? It took a little while for that one to turn fun for Mississippi State because frustration dating back to Friday a little bit, just the inability to get leadoff guys on base, the inability to hit with two strikes, the inability to finish off hitters, and all those things seem to be kind of compounding. You weren't fielding it well, all these things. But in the ninth inning, Rowdy Jordan, a great at bat, as much as you can call the bat a great when you take two strikes down the middle. But so he takes two strikes, and then he finds a way to get a base hit, DeBrule first pitch is hitting, and then all of a sudden it just changed. Charlie, we talked about on the broadcast yesterday about the inability for State to get the leadoff man on in innings. You know, we had gone, what, 13, 14 innings at one time this weekend without getting the leadoff man on. Now we get the leadoff home run by Cameron James in the sixth yesterday. We get an infield single to start the seventh. Couldn't do anything with it, have the double play. But that ninth inning, like you said, when you're looking for something positive, when you're you're down by two runs and you get that tying run to the plate early in the inning, I thought Jordan's at bat, Rowdy's at bat, even though Hancock gets the game winner, the tone was set with Rowdy and then Scotty DeBrule coming up, moving him up to the two spot in the order. Yesterday, he responds with going two for three. He got on base four times yesterday. That's what you want out of the two spot in the order to let T.A. and Logan Tanner and Josh Hatcher drive you in. I like that move of getting Scotty back up at the top of the order. Now, today we're going to face a left-hander, so you kind of wonder how that may play into what you do with the lineup. But nonetheless, moving Scotty up yesterday to the number two spot worked out nicely. So let, let's take kind of a – a bigger picture and, and back away just one second from the play-by-play -play of the game, the mechanics, who did what, and, and talk about kind of what a win like yesterday does. We say all the time, look, you can't get too high or too low about one baseball game. You don't let one game define anything. One swing of the bat doesn't change anything and all those things. And I 99% of the time believe that to be true. Let me give you a reason, though, why yesterday's win and the way it happened may be more important than a normal walk-off win. Look, Tulane came in here, and they went straight at us, man. They had <laughs> – they've been on the edge of the dugout the whole time. They've been jawing. They've been staring at our dugout. They've been signaling to our dugout. Oltoff on Friday is pointing at our dugout between pitches, 
it's not a lot of times, you know, you see guys get that third strikeout, they walk off the inning and run their mouth. Oltoff was calling calling his shots. Yes, and he was backing it up. And their whole dugout was on everything. And I think we saw several times this week where pitchers let it rattle them, they let it get in their head. And I think yesterday in the ninth inning was the first time that we stood up and said, enough. Yeah, hey, I agree with that. Because every time we had a chance to get momentum, they seized it back, whether it be on Friday night or yesterday. Because every time we we took a lead, they come right back yesterday in the second inning. They get the two runs back, and they're back on the lip of the dugout. Now, if you talk to a lot of baseball people, there's probably 70% of baseball people that say, I don't like that. And I'm one of them. That's Bush League. We I'm don't like that. There's another part of this you know, new millennial group of young baseball people that say, hey, that's just a part of the game. I'm going to be honest with you. Hey, we've done it before. And, yeah. And, and, that, and that, probably not to that extent. And that's the thing. It's a question of degree, right? Yes. Because, you know, there's a lot of new rules in place about you're not supposed to be leaving the dugout coming onto the field. I mean, they're halfway to the pitcher's mound carrying their pitcher off the field every time it gets a strikeout. I mean, it's phenomenal. Well, and, and you know what the, what the thought process is there is in the scouting report and in the meetings they're saying, hey, let's get under these guys. They've got this Taj Mahal ballpark. They're a bunch of country club kids, and let's see if we can get them to wilt. Now, here's the thing about standing up, about having that opportunity in the ninth inning to walk it off and, and run by the dugout is now what does that do to your scouting report, okay? It's like my daughter is 13 years old, playing eighth grade basketball, junior high basketball. Early in the season, she gets frustrated with a girl guarding her. What does she do? She elbows her. She gets a technical foul. And I said, Here, here's the problem with that. Now, if I'm every coach that's going to play you, I am going to watch on film, and I know that I can get to you. Here's the thing, too. If I'm a coach watching – Tulane play Mississippi State, sit in the dugout, chatter, look like they get you under their skin. You better believe when Nick Mingione comes in here with Kentucky, they're going to be on the lip of the dugout, and they're going to be running their mouths trying to do the exact same thing. It's just the way it is. So getting back, I, I think that's one of the reasons why today is so big. Can you fight through it? Can you shut up the noise? Yeah, and can you continue what you did in the ninth? We were a different team, and it's not just because of the guy who was on the mound. You battled out some at-bats. You had some big hits. Look, here's the other thing. Think about the ninth. Rowdy Jordan gets in the hole 0-2 and gets a hit. But then the hit by DeBrule, the hit by Tanner, the hit by Hancock, all on the first pitch of the at-bat. And that is so counter to the typical baseball view. What's the old thing? Ron Polk used to talk about we're going to play catch-up baseball in the ninth, eighth, when we're down a run or down two, we're going to take a strike. We're going to make him throw us one. <laughs> we were aggressive in that ninth inning. Especially on Hancock's at bat. Okay, and so I go back and I look at Luke's at bat. And you've tied the game. They intentionally walk Hatcher to load the bases. So then all of a sudden the thought process becomes, okay, the winning run is 90 feet away. What's the one thing you can ill afford to do as a pitcher? You can't fall – you can't fall behind. You can't go to 2-0. You can't go to 3-1 because a walk wins the ball game. So if I'm Luke Hancock coming to the plate, my mentality may be, hey, I probably need to take on a first pitch, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to zero in on one thing. If this guy throws me a slider, 
if he throws me a slider on the inner half, in the old adage of Crash Davis, I'm going to take this guy downtown. And so he's up there sitting on slider. You can tell it. He is sitting on slider, and he took it downtown. Yeah, and that thing just hung. Oh, it, it was just sitting there spinning. It was not moving like you need to. And that's the thing about a slider. You can read a slider pretty well. A good hitter can because it has a little telltale dot as it's coming to you. And if that thing doesn't break, it's the verge. It's the same thing as the old hanging curveball. If you can't throw it and get it to spin, you've just thrown a meat pitch, and that's what he got, and he crushed it. And you can tell a little bit by that spin. You talk about the the red dot that you know the way you hold a slider and the way you cut through it. And for a lot of you that that really don't understand, you know what you're looking at as a hitter. You know it has that little red. The seams make up a little red dot on the ball, and all of a sudden, as a hitter, that tells me, okay, that's that's a slider. Now you got to understand, you're trying to make these decisions in point two seconds, okay? But if that slider dot quote-unquote, is larger, that almost tells you that that ball is going to spin a little bit. It's not going to have the tight break. The tighter the dot, the tighter the spin, therefore the more movement you get. If you get a big dot out there, that tells you that sucker's sitting on the tee for you. And Hancock, hey, he's a guy since he came in here, he's, he's big time. He is a volatile player from a standpoint of he has high upside. He has a great throwing arm. He's a guy, the ball, when it hits the bat, it leaves the bat in a hurry. And, Charlie, looking back, the ability to get six runs the ninth inning yesterday was so big. I I, I got to do it. Oh, I got to bring it up. My college buddies, man, okay, warn me so out. Say hello to my little friend. I have no idea where it came from. I have not watched Scarface in years. I had, and it literally – you know, some guys, you know, Jim Dance writes all these things down. Oh, you know, <laughs> Tiger with the red, you know, with the red oh. coat. And uh, I mean, I can't, but I don't. And and I have no idea where, because one of my college buddies was like, what does that mean? Say hello to my little friend. I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? All right, so give people the background on where that line comes from, because some people won't know. Okay, it comes from Scarface at the very end. And listen, if, if you think, well, hey, I'll tell you what, you know, Bart's been giving Charlie a hard time about Roadhouse. Have you watched Roadhouse yet? I have rented Roadhouse. I have not yet watched it. Okay, so you're you're one for two. You're halfway home. I would not watch Scarface with anyone under the age of 18. (laughs) And so at the very end, he has a a phrase where he uses – he's got a Tommy gun, and he says, say hello to my little friend. And I have, like I said, no idea where that came from. It just popped up. And it was said before I even thought. All right, so I can say this with you, and I've worked with a number of different broadcasters over the years. I have never, ever, ever been one that writes anything out. No. Not an opening, not a halftime talk, nothing. The only thing I've ever read during a broadcast is the live reads where you have to say this game brought to you by – Texco with Techron or what have you, and sometimes you flip the you, know, you, you don't you stub your way through those because you never read them before you actually have to read them on the air. Oh, the worst for me was it's it's like two days after Dan Mullen quits, <laughs> and I'm pulling through the stack of cards <laughs> and I'm shop it wherever you know it's where Dan Mullen shops, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and predictably Twitter reacted. But because you never pay attention to those things, some people are very scripted. Jim Nance to me is the worst. Yeah, there's never been a, a ball game man that he doesn't have something. Um, but I can vouch for you, the things you say just come out. 
which sometimes is a bad thing because that's my everyday life. I'll look at my daughter and say something, and she'll say, and she's a lot smarter than I am. She gave me the word Friday night, idiosyncrasy. Yeah, she's a spelling bee champion. She loves those words. And she was absolutely blown away that I pulled it. She said, you had to Google that. And I said, no, I didn't. I really didn't. I knew what idiosyncrasy meant, you know, something peculiar. And she was like, I, I, I'm really proud of you, Dad. I was like, that, that was my moment yesterday. My, my daughter is proud of me because I knew the, the definition of the word idiosyncrasy. Okay, yeah, it was fun. That was that was a lot of fun, but but I'm not I'm not one of these guys that goes back and <laughs> and, and listens to stuff that we do. I mean, over and over and over. It, it was a, it was a lot of fun. And hey, that's that's what you get when you get me and you, Charlie. Well, we're, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk and we're gonna just be guys up there because we are fans. We we are one of we're just like that guy sitting in Meridian watching on his TV. No, and it's interesting too because one of the things that I have to fight during games is particularly when you're doing TV and you're supposed to keep it, you know, fairly, you know, within the within the lines, not to be too much one side or the other. One of the things that I have to fight, just like a lot of people getting home, just like a lot of people on the internet, is getting frustrated. Yeah. You know, because you want to say part of you wants to rip the headset off and scream swing the bat or throw a strike throw a or strike, what have yeah. you. What's fun about situations like that is it's kind of the one time where you can just say, I don't care. And, and to that point, what you just brought up, here's here's what we get a chance to do. We get a chance to see these guys away from the ballpark. We get a chance to see these guys at practice and kind of get to know them a little bit. And, you know, I look back and, you know, I, I said yesterday on the broadcast when Sarantola was having a tough time, I mean, I, I felt for him. I really because let me tell you something. There, there's not a better kid on this campus than Eric Sarantola to me. I mean, he's always been great, gracious, nice, just fantastic person. And he knows. Everybody knows. He's got tools. He's got the stuff. And to see him, you know, struggling. He's up there trying to listen through, <laughs> listen through all that noise in that first base dugout. He knows in the back of his mind that hey, the word on me is is I need to throw strikes. And, man, I'll tell you what, that's the thing that's tough for me. You talk about getting frustrated is, man, you know these guys. You know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you're sitting there going, man, I want that guy to succeed so bad. And what's interesting, too, when I think of Sarantola, you may think this is a ridiculous comparison, but I think of Brandon Woodruff. Yes, I think absolutely. of a guy who can be a top 15 pitcher in Major League Baseball but look back on his college career and say, I just hadn't found it yet. Papelbon, Jonathan Papelbon. I mean, he, he was he was not just a lights-out dominant guy in college, but just, just found it. You know, it. They always talk about that moment that it clicks. You know, it clicked for Chris Stratton his summer before his junior year in the Cape Cod League. You know, Chris was a great guy. I love Chris to death. And it finally clicked with him. Dakota he, Hudson. Dakota Hudson. Ethan Small. I mean, you think about Ethan when we threw him out there as a freshman, and now what you know what he did that junior year. And so, long story short, I mean that that's what makes it tough is you see you know see that happen. And hey, I know doing what we do, I don't look at social media. You know, you could tweet me a thousand times during a game and say, "Man, you're a Nanawaya redneck," and it's not gonna it it'll bother you, not really, but it doesn't. I don't look at it. 
and then you see the vitriol that people send. You know, it, that's that's kind of frustrating that that human beings are like that. Well, and that's one of the reasons, by the way. We we talked about this off air. You know, every week before games, we'll get some packages from the opposing teams and from Mississippi State that gives you some background on their team. And as we were getting ready for Tulane, one of the things that we discovered in their release, in their media guide, you know, everybody has their roster where it says name, height, hometown, position, those type things. They add their Twitter and Instagram addresses for every player. Man. Which, man, if I'm a struggling shortstop, third baseman, pitcher, what have you, the last thing I want is ease of access to my Instagram account or Twitter feed. Now, that's probably different for kids who are 18 than me sitting here at my age. They probably view that a little bit differently. They love engagements. Yeah, followers, engagements, engagement percentages. I mean, how'd you like to be the kicker that misses the field goal and now everybody has your Twitter handle? Man, I'd have that thing locked down. There what, what, the Alabama kicker a few years ago got death threats, didn't he, on yeah, Twitter? it happens all the uh, time, and it's st- just stupid. It's frustrating. But, yeah, so you go back and you look at where we are. Look, let's, let's talk about Friday real quick. You and I caught a little bit of a heat from a few people because, you know, you guys have been pumping Old Hall for two months, and y'all have been pumping him for two months. This guy better be good. He was good. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not right about everything, but you and I, we looked at it, we studied the guy. Now, I'll be honest with you. What I did not expect was the way that his changeup would just baffle our left-handed hitters. And the reason is, when I think of guys throwing great changeups, what do you think about? Left-handers. And see, so you got a right-hander up there doing it to left-handers. And I think the reason his changeup was so good is because he throws strikes. I tell you a reason I think he threw it so well, and this may be kind of you know out there. You know, we put so many left-handed guys in the lineup, and hey, if you got great left-handed hitters, you put them in the lineup. And this is not a knock at all, but for a guy like Oltoff, it's almost like a unicorn. I mean, against this lineup, and the reason I say that is this: that guy has such a good changeup. It's not like, and so what's the thing? A right-handed pitcher rarely throws a right-handed hitter, a changeup. A left-handed pitcher rarely throws a changeup to a left-handed hitter. Reason is the ball breaks back toward the batter. You're trying to get the ball outside the bat swing. So the other night, he had such a good changeup and had such a good feel. So if you're facing a bunch of left-handed hitters, instead of throwing that pitch one out of every seven pitches or every six pitches, you're throwing it one out of every three. And so, to me, you get a better feel. It's just one of those things of, you know, it's like that shooter in basketball. Once I finally get in the groove and start taking that shot, I find that rhythm, I find that form. He found that form with his changeup, and we just couldn't catch up to it because he just kept throwing it over and over and over. Now, there are not many guys. There are right-handed guys that have changeups. Don't get me wrong. But when you get into SEC play, Austin Sexton, that's why Austin Sexton was so good. He had a big-time changeup when he arrived on campus, and he used that pitch very well as a secondary pitch. But those guys are few and far between, the right-handers that utilize the changeups the way that Oltoff did. They used fastball slider. He used fastball changeup. And so the other thing I'd say about it, point I made a minute ago, when you throw your fastball for strikes – as he did consistently, your changeup is more tempting and it's better and it just floats away from the left-handed hitter. The second thing is this. 
I liked everything about Oltoff after he released the ball. His motion was very short, very strange, completely dead on the backside. There wasn't a drop and drive. He was the exact opposite of Tom Seaver. Right? Yeah. Tom Seaver used to get the, the back knee in the dirt. This guy barely bent his back leg. He just threw it. But that motion makes that change up more effective to me. It does. It's short arm. I mean, it, it's quick. You, you don't pick anything up. He's not bringing the ball back. I mean, it's that funky monkey. It, it really is. It's, it's, it's tough to hit. It's tough. To, and, I, hey, he's a preseason conference pitcher of the year in the AAC, not Conference USA. AAC. Yes, definitely not. Yeah, it, and I'll say this to him. That kid competed. He did. He absolutely. Man, he's got some dog in him, man. He, he was competing. But then you come to yesterday, I did not expect Benoit to have the success that he had against us early in the ball game yesterday. He goes four innings. Gives up a couple of runs, but the thing he didn't do, he didn't get beat very often by his miscues. You know, he's a guy who walks a lot of guys, walked a number of them yesterday. He, look, you said this before the game yesterday. He's kind of their Sarantola. Yeah. But he hung around longer, and he wasn't great, but he was what he needed to be. He gave up the, the two-run homer, but that was it. All right, Charlie, one of the things we talked about before we get out of here we kind of wanted to talk about how college baseball is going to be this year. Everybody's going to be deep. And I think that's one of the things we've seen out of Tulane. They've, they've got a lot of arms. Everybody has arms. We've pitched 19 guys. It's just staggering. We have pitched 19 guys in six games. 19. That's hey, Simmons may throw a little bit, by the way. Sim, I thought Simmons was pretty good. And he, he held you where you needed to be. And that's yep. the thing about a reliever. Not to get you off your point, but sometimes when you come in in a 5-3 game, it's more important than people ever realize the guy on the mound just keeping it at 5-3. So you look around college baseball, and you look around the SEC. I mean, you look at Central Florida. They go into Oxford. They win two out of three against Ole Miss. You look at, you know, what's going on around the SEC. Auburn, who was, you know, a preseason top 15-20 team, they've gone out to Round Rock. They lost against Oklahoma. They lost against Baylor. When you start looking around the league – I mean, teams are going to get chewed up and spit out, even in non-conference games. Ole Miss had a walk-off win in game two. They had to score you know, three runs in the ninth, four runs in the ninth inning yesterday to win one game of the series. And it's because of what you're playing against. Central Florida's solid. Vanderbilt losing to Georgia State the other night. LSU had to have a walk-off yesterday against Youngstown State, which we saw a few years ago. I thought Youngstown State was the worst baseball team I'd ever seen in my life. Right, so let me give you a comparison from basketball. There's kind of two versions of teams going on right now. There are your Kentuckys, your Dukes, your teams who in a typical year are going to come in and bring in a lot of young firepower. And you know who those teams, despite all their All-Americans who a lot of times they have trouble with, the team that starts five seniors. Yeah. The team whose guys weren't three stars even, but they played together and they played together. Right now what you're seeing is because Major League Baseball's draft last year was only five innings, your Central Florida's, your two lanes, all these teams have guys back and they have an experience advantage. They're older teams. And the younger, more talented teams still lack that experience. They can get there, but there is some real value to guys who have played a lot of games early in this season. If the draft is longer, if you have the normal draft last year, you probably don't see Oltoff. No, you don't. 
You know, and so all of a sudden that Friday game, you're facing Benoit. And how was the series different? It, college baseball is just different this year. You and I have said it from the beginning. The typical watermarks for good and great are just going to be different this year. You look in the Western Division of the SEC, the only undefeated team right now is Arkansas. And they look really good last weekend over in Arlington. They were solid. They're a solid top five team. They've got a ton of pitching, too. So when you look at State and you look at Arkansas, those are really the two teams that stand out to a lot of people nationally and Florida as well of having just the depth of hard throwers that you have. Alabama's off to a 7-1 and one start. LSU's off to a 6-1 and one start. LSU has been pushed to the cusp several times. Yeah, included by Air Force. Air Force, you pushed them. Who beat them. Yeah, La Tech fell apart the other night. I mean, they, they had a lead until you know, midway through that game. Ole Miss is 5-2. We're 4-2. Auburn's 5-2. Texas A&M, they're 4-3. And, and A&M, at times, has not looked very good. But you start talking about the teams that they played – and it's a team trying to fill two spots in their rotation because you lose AC and Doc Sakis from last year. On the eastern side, Carolina's still unbeaten. They're 5-0. and Kentucky's 4-0. and They beat Milwaukee, I think, twice yesterday. Georgia is 6-1. and They lost their season opener to Evansville. But now they're 6-1. and Vandy is 4-1. and Hey, and Vandy, they're not – nobody's blowing the brakes off of people. And, you know, Tennessee at 6-2. and two. Tennessee lost a couple of times yesterday as Indiana State knocked off Tennessee twice yesterday. Florida's 5-2, and two, Missouri's 3-4. and four. Other than, I would say, Arkansas. I'm, I'm kind of discounting South Carolina, even though they beat Clemson. I'm kind of discounting Kentucky right now just because they really haven't played a whole lot. But, you know, Arkansas is really good right now. Alabama has not played a tough schedule at all right now. They're, they, they're playing Wright State this weekend. So long story short, you know, you look at us, we lose that Friday game, and then you come back yesterday, and for eight innings, you're like, uh-oh, how good are we? Are we any good at all? I think there's just a lot of teams that are going to be very similar this year, and you're not going to have a 50-win team. There is, it's just going to be teams that get knocked back and there's going to be a lot. Charlie, you've said it a lot in the last month. There are going to be a lot of really good baseball teams in the SEC this year. Not decent teams. Not good teams. There are going to be some really good teams that are 15 and 15 or 16 and 14. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess you and I got to get ready. We're about to have the Sunday game here pretty quickly. But I will say this. I think this is a really important game today. I do too. It's something about early in the season – Getting off to a good start matters. Getting confidence at the plate matters. Wins and losses mean a lot more in terms of what your record looks like. I think today is a very important game for Mississippi State, and it's going to be interesting to see how they can piece it together on the mound. Look, we threw a lot of guys Friday for not that long. A lot of those guys may be coming back today. Jackson Fristo going to draw the start, true freshman. Last week went three innings in a start against Texas Tech. Struck out four and he walked three. Okay, he hit two batters. And so he gave five free passes and New struck out record. four. And <laughs> I just have to think of Bull Durham, right? I'm telling you. New league record. Okay, so we talked to Josh Lovelady a few weeks ago. And Josh brought up the point about we were talking about Sarantola pitching on Sunday, about high velo guy, a guy that may not have his pinpoint of control. And what does that do for Logan Tanner? 
okay, this is day three of his starts. Okay, he started Friday night, Saturday. He'll start today behind the plate, we think. So what does that do to you as a catcher? Because you're talking about trying to fight through things as far as being tired. You've been getting up and down all weekend. Now all of a sudden you've got a guy who may throw that 58-foot 58 58 fastball that you got to get down and block with a runner at third. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for a guy like Logan Tanner. Now, here's the question, too, is, you know, they're going to throw Aldrich, a left-hander. What does that do to your lineup? With all the left-handed hitters, you'd be inclined to turn it around. Here's going to be an interesting thing to find out. Does McGowan get the start in left? You know, he's a left-handed hitter. If you're going to play matchups, you think right. Are you going to start Cumbus out there? It's going to be interesting to see who goes in that spot today. All right. Should be a lot of fun. State Tulane playing at noontime later today. You'll be listening to this hopefully before we play today. Hey, big week coming up. We've got Southern Miss coming on Tuesday night. We actually play them down in Pearl. Looking back, hey, it's been a lot of great talk about that interview we did this past week with Ben Jenkins of Warstick. That was a good that was a cool thing to do. We've got a lot of feedback from that. We've gotten a lot of feedback period charlie from a lot of listeners a lot of people and it, it's amazing to us it's kind of it's it's flattering you know we don't want to we were giving you the the insight on Oltoff and you know, that double jointed elbow patting ourselves on the back but i tell you what it, it's been amazing to see our numbers continue to grow and the, the number of people that are listening to this show whether it be our regular show on wfca during the week the podcast version or this sunday uh, coffee I tell you what, it's uh, it's it's pretty eye-opening, and it's been a blast for us. Well, one of the things it speaks to is the committed Mississippi State baseball fans. They just want to talk about the sport, and you and me, look, this has been our life. Yep, we just this, want to talk about it. It's been our life. Hey, once again, we're brought to you by Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, if you're in the market for a new or used car, go by and check them out. They can find you anything you want, even if they don't have it on the lot, at Cannon Ford of Starkville, no doubt. Where I do all the shopping of my vehicles, I think Charlie does the same exact thing. And so Chris Keen and all the great folks, the customer service is phenomenal. The service is is perfect at Cannon Ford of Starville. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on this Sunday morning. Dogs in Tulane at noontime today for game three of this three-game series. Appreciate you all listening.